0: This is Suzanne York from Humans Optimized. We believe that advances in technology coupled with elevated human skills create immense opportunity in the future of work. Now, with the upheaval of COVID-19, our future has quickly become today's reality. Through the uncertainty, fear, and concern of the pandemic, we find stories of human resilience, innovation, and hope. Join us as we share our experiences, discuss what may be ahead, and explore together how we can come back stronger than we were before. Inspiring employees comes much easier during times of prosperity and growth. But the true mark of a leader is determined by how they show up during times of uncertainty and fear. Today, I'm grateful to be talking with Mike Zani, CEO of the Predictive Index, to learn more about how he and his leadership team have navigated the difficult decisions that have come with the pandemic and the importance of leading authentically. Mike, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you,
1: Suzanne. So excited to be here.
0: Oh, well, I do wish it were for different topics than a pandemic, but if nothing else, it it certainly will bring us together to have a great conversation.
1: Yes. Well, uh, there is an old sailing quote that the storms will show your mastery. So we are in the heart of a storm and you get to see everyone's mastery.
0: Well, that's true. And um, tell everybody um, how you have come to to appreciate those quotes. So, about your background.
1: Oh well, in a in a former life, I was uh, I was a talented sailor, uh, really because of a misspent youth, was uh, spending too much time on the water. But um, I had the great fortune to uh, be one of the coaches at the nineteen ninety six Olympic sailing team, and. Wow. Put food on put food on my table for a little while as a professional sailor um, and Olympic aspirant myself. But uh, those are days of yore. But I learned a lot about <laughs> managing and leading people uh, from from those athletes and from those uh, competitive teams.
0: Oh, absolutely! And the stories they really do transcend just the sporting arena into corporate life as well. So I can imagine there's a lot of fodder for you to pull from.
1: There is. There is indeed.
0: <laughs> well, and I mentioned that you're the CEO of Predictive Index. Can you share more about your company and your mission and some of the values that you all hold?
1: Absolutely. Th- this is really a dream job for me. Um, I was a client of the Predictive Index uh, with my business partner for for 10 years. And we fell in love with the product um, and we were heavy users of it. And we were trying to buy the company since 2009, and it took us five years, but in 2014, we were able to buy the Predictive Index from the founding family. And um, we became, it was a 60, six zero year old company. Mm. And we're sort of able to refound this company. And the Predictive Index is a, is a talent optimization platform, you know, between our software and our network of consultants, we help companies, you know, ma- manage and optimize their their most important asset, their people.
0: Absolutely. So it's very people-focused, team-focused. Uh, and so what are some of the, the ways in which your clients will use the, the platform?
1: Uh, you know, you can break it into sort of uh, four elements. Uh, one is design. You know, what are they trying to build? What's their corporate strategy? And and what, what sort of team are they trying to architect or re-architect? From that flows out who they hire Um, and how you make sure you have good fit for, for roles in your company and then how you inspire, how do you really keep your teams clicking and, you know, working towards the goals and missions. And all of that is held together with some diagnostic tools to make sure that if you do the design hire and inspire well, that, uh, you know, the numbers go up into the right that you see engagement and performance go up.
0: Well, that makes, I've seen a lot of um, times where really making sure you've got the right people in the right roles and clear on the mission and what they're driving towards is part of it. And then inspiring them along the way really can help you create that high performing culture.
1: It it starts with a great mission and, and, you know, ours is, you know, better work, better world. And it's really about, um, you know, we have this powerful platform. It helps you understand yourself better. It helps you understand others better. It helps it helps you make sure that fit, fit for your company, fit for team, fit with your manager, supervisor. And if we make better workplaces, we send people home, you know, more energized, you know, more fired up, you know, into their home life to be better parents and spouses and neighbors. Um, it, it really is a great mission. And, you know, a lot of our people just, you know, really rally around that and it resonates with them. And it, it, it is one of the things that keeps us, you know, hyper motivated.
0: Definitely. And being able to use your own platform to help you hire great people, I'm sure has been um, a helpful approach to you over the years as well.
1: And, and that's, and that's one of the saddest parts. You know, we, we had, uh, we had a reduction of force uh, 25% of our, of our uh, staff uh, just a week ago. And, you know, we let some fantastic people go and, you know, we, we hired these people using all of our own tools, as well as, you know, hiring for, um, you know some structured interviewing around attitude and, you know, fit with culture. So we had this, you know, really idyllic team and it's sad to let great people go. And it's really sad when, you know, unfortunate and bad things happen to good people. So we're working very hard to try and help them find work and jobs and consulting projects to, to make sure that they're okay.
0: Yeah, and that's really what brought us to this conversation today was the idea that as a leader, you've had to make some really hard choices in the face of the pandemic and not with not a lot of information. And so I wanted to get back to that the path that, that you and your leaders took, you know, what was it like when you first started hearing about the coronavirus and how did you know that it was going to Im- impact your business enough that, that you needed to do something? And how did you work through what the options and scenarios were?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say that we were on the tip of the spear, uh, but I think we were a little bit early in realizing we were having a problem. And around the 27th and 28th of February, Um, I was coming back from a trip from San Francisco and, um, 30% of our business is in-person, um, training. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were, we were sort of brain, when I coming back from this trip, realizing the impact that this was going to have on in-person meetings or could have on in-person meetings, we were really thinking, wow, this could impact our business quite, quite dramatically and uh, you know, so there was a huge sensitivity for us to saying, "What are we going to do about um, you know the in-person meeting issue?" And we started rapidly developing um, a virtual version of all of our in-person trainings. Um, you know, virtual is excellent. It's not it's not a perfect substitute for in-person, but if executed well, so we we were we were starting to modify our product as early as you know March first. Um, But then we realized this wasn't just a business impact. This was a huge potential health impact. And Mm. uh, we started working from home on March 11th, which was before we had to, um, because we were really worried about, you know, our people and their families.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And did you have the infrastructure already in place technology-wise to support the work-from-home culture? We did. I would say
1: 40, 50% of our our workforce worked from home on Fridays, uh, which yeah. was sort of a cultural norm. And we sort of are very mobile in the office, so everyone's got a laptop and we're pretty tech advanced with the, the products and, and software suites we use. So even with just a two person IT team, we were able to do it. Um, we were able to do it pretty seamlessly. Interestingly, we were gonna do a practice day on the twelfth, um, okay. but we decided We said, well, no, the the 11th is the last day in the office, so our practice day turned into the first day. So we were going to run a practice to see if we were, in fact, ready.
0: Well, and, and you're right that you were a little bit ahead of the curve. Maybe your insights were there sooner. For us in Massachusetts, the the 13th was my last day in the office, which ironically was a Friday. And then by the following Tuesday, everyone was essentially, um, the non-essential businesses were closing. We were hearing that education was closing. And then in the, the week or two that followed, the date of May 4th really hit us. Um, and so because you were a little bit ahead of time, were you having conversations with your leadership team that would that helped you figure out well, what do we want to do if certain scenarios come up? Like, what was that like to to be able to take in the information that you were hearing and then figure out what to do next?
1: Well, interestingly, one of our investors, uh, a, a firm called General Catalyst, they are a Boston-based uh, and San Francisco-based um, growth and venture growth equity and venture capital firm. One of their partners is Ken Chenault, who is the former CEO of American Express. And General Catalyst made arrangements for uh, a couple of their CEOs to jump on a call with Ken Chenault to talk about crisis management. And this mm-hmm. is someone who went through 9-11 with, you know, American Express has a big travel uh, yeah. arm. And then the 8 recession that really impacted finance. Obviously, American Express has a huge finance arm. And, and he was coaching us through, you know, best practices for, you know, crisis management and communication. And we took that just awesome, juicy knowledge of this, you know, really seasoned practiced um, executive and sort of brought it back to our senior team and, and said, we got to get in front of this and we got to make sure that we do this crisis management as, as well as we, we really could.
0: Well, it was great then to have that insight because you're right to the way that I pictured that I described the first two weeks is we were in crisis mode. And I do think now I, I feel like we're more in a survival mode. Um, we maybe passed that initial crisis of what do we do? How do we do it? And and now we're in this this sort of middle state. We're not yet ready for recovery. And so we're still figuring out how to go from day to day. And so when you moved into the survival mode and maybe saw some shifts to, I know for me personally, my client work shifted, um, meaning it slowed. <laughs> yes, yes. How did you start to have those tough conversations inside your leadership team about well, what are we going to, going to do in the face of, of the economic impacts that we were all starting to experience? Well,
1: we created this, you know, this triangle between uh, – Jackie Duby, our head of talent, um, my partner and I, which is, you know, the, the senior leadership team, I, I carry the title of, of CEO, but my business partner, Daniel and I are really co-CEO, you know, he's the president, but I just meet more people. So it gives me the, <laughs> the glamour title, yeah. um, and our CFO. So our CFO is modeling scenarios, you know, talking to all the key drivers, uh, managers and drivers of revenue. And. And between, you know, people, revenue, um, and strategy, that little triangle, um, um, we were able to, you know, do rapid cycles of scenario building to say, what could this look like? What could happen to us? And we started with, you know, a plan A and we, we worked all the way down to like a plan F. Mm -hmm. Um, and we ended up executing on plan C, which was something in the middle Um, but it, it involved a reduction of force of, um, of 25%. Um, and it, I mean, it was, it was tragic and hard, uh, but we pushed down the decision making, uh, not only to our senior vice presidents, uh, which is a team of seven, but also to the vice presidents and directors below them to really get team buy. in. it's just, it's part of our culture to make sure that we, we push down decision making and authority for making those calls, you know, to people who are really close to this. Um, yeah. so it wasn't just, uh, you know, Mike and Daniel got in a room and, you know, and, and we're throwing things at a dartboard. It was, it was really making sure that the, the, the core managers that, um, are trying to look at their talent, look at their teams, look at what it looks like today. And then thinking about what it needs to look like in you know, 90, 120, 180 days when we hopefully pull out of this.
0: Right. Well, and you and I share an optimistic point of view in general, and we believe and and want to and need to believe that, yes, we're going to get back to where we need to be and return to growth. And so I can imagine as you're doing this, you're thinking, well, I can't wait for the day to bring everybody back. So how did, how did that play into what needed to happen next in terms of taking this plan C, activating it, but with some optimism and hope that you get to return?
1: Well, well, certainly we, we structured the majority of, um, of our reduction of forces furloughs. We'd really love to bring our team back. Obviously we're going to try and help them find work. Um, so that we, we, we might risk getting them a really great job and they don't want to come back, but but that's the right thing to do for them as people. But we certainly structured it so we have the, you know, we want to bring them back. We want to focus on regrowing our business and, and getting, getting our legs under us. Uh, the sooner we do that, the sooner we get to bring them back um, and, and, you know, sort of put the team back together again. And I, I think we've, we've been very honest to the, to the team that says, here are the metrics we're looking at. That we hope are forward looking indicators that will let us know when we're close to being able to do that. We, all of yeah. us, uh, the whole world is gonna be looking at these numbers to say, when is it gonna come back? And right. I, I think if you look at something like a restaurant, the day a restaurant opens, I would love to have someone cook for me, but I'm not sure I'm gonna be, you know, with a little PTSD running back into public places uh, on day yeah. one. Um, yes. I, I think we might have to wade into this a little bit.
0: I think you're right. You know, I think of it as a reentry period where it'll be tenuous. You know, we're not going to all rush back into into interacting the same way we used to. Um, and my hope is that there is no boomerang of this and, and we don't need to come back to stay at home. But that that could come up. So I I think we're all smart to be strategic in how we approach each of the phases coming out of this. And I like what you're saying. What are some of the leading indicators that can help us understand that we're on the right track?
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, please.
0: Yeah. Well, no. And and so so given that we know where we want to go eventually, we don't necessarily know how long it will take to get there. What has inspired me is the are the posts and the conversations I'm seeing from the employees in particular who did need to separate from your organization for a period, just how grateful that they were. And, and that's not always a message you hear from an employee that's been separated from a company. And so it struck me, you know, being so people focused and having such a strong culture, the way in which you and your leaders have handled this situation really resonated beyond beyond just the folks in the room because it made its way out into the the social media posts. And and I see your your team members trying to help those who are looking for a job and supporting them with recommendations and, and referrals. So it, it, I'd love to just understand a little more about what was it like for you to be able to handle this with such um, human-centric focus, especially while you're dealing with the complexities of doing it remotely?
1: I, you know, I mean, the, The, the long answer to that is we set that up, you know, years ago with just our Mm -hmm. culture, the culture around hiring the best people you can, investing in them, um, really caring about them on a, on a, on a daily basis, um, getting to know your employees. Um, and we've, we've always done things really open and, and transparently, might, my favorite thing to ask at all company meetings is like, let's bring on the tough questions. Do not walk out of this room without, you know, asking the toughest questions you can. And we, we want them to ask the tough questions and we may not be able to answer them completely in the first crack, but we will answer them so that they know that, you know, we're not really hiding anything. There's, there's, um, there's just this full transparency. So I think when people, you know, were tapped on the shoulder to, you know, you know, be laid off. They're like, I believe the company did everything they could to avoid this. And it was unavoidable. And they're really sincere in saying that they're going to try and help, um, which we were. Um, and there were, there were little things that you could do. I mean, on that, uh, on, on March 11th, um, Daniel and I took our, uh, compensation to zero. We just said, we're not going to pay, pay ourselves. Um, and uh, you know, if they actually looked at it, you know, you have 220 people, you know, Daniel and I taking our comp to zero could save six people, you know, which, I mean, it's not that much, but it's just symbolically, they're like, they're not in this to save their jobs. They're in it to save the company and try and do the right thing. Now we are in a financial position to do that. So I don't want people to be like, Oh, you, you, you saint. It's not that it's, right. it's really that it it's, it's a, a symbol around leadership that says I'm in this with you. And if you're going to feel pain, I'm going to feel pain. And I, I think that that way, when someone says you did everything you could, they're like, I believe you.
0: Well, that's really inspiring. And I think you're right. That, that the, the ability for this moment to have happened the way it did it really did come from the years that you've cultivated your culture up into it, and so I'm curious. This ask tough questions and the culture that you have. How have how have you been able to continue that while you're not seeing everybody in person? What are the different ways that you're still connecting with your teams?
1: We're doing a, a, a bunch of of. Of things and I, I wouldn't say that we've figured out exactly what is right. Um, but we on Fridays we're now holding uh, an all company uh session called PITV where we get about uh we get the senior team um about 10 people on a call to answer QA and we collect those questions beforehand. Um, and they can be you can be named or anonymous. And we, it's a clearinghouse to, for the whole organization to get on the same page and to hear us and see us. Um, that seems to be working well. Um, we are putting out uh, videos twice a week, Daniel and I, uh, that are sort of more informal, just things that we're thinking about, um, some nice job here, nice job there uh, things, uh, I actually did mine, uh, today, um, after finishing a Peloton ride in the middle of the day. And yeah. I, 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 actually said, you know, I did something decadent for myself. I, 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 went on a Peloton ride in the middle of the work day cause I had a window and I don't feel guilty about it. And I'm trying to take care of myself physically cause that puts me in a better mood and gets me in a better mindset. And, and you should do the same. Um, Make sure that you're taking care of you and yours, so that you know we could be here for a while. And this is yeah. this is going to be tough. Um, and then there are other tools, you know, Slack. We we've always been big users of Slack, so I, I think humor is still happening, and uh, and recognitions of people are happening, and it's uh, it, it's probably hardest on the uh, the extroverts. I had someone yes. tell me today that they're they're very extroverted and they're going to the end of their driveway and just chatting with anyone who walks by. <laughs> as I'm long as like, they're
0: six feet away, right? <laughs> that's right,
1: that's right. So I yeah. guess there's some sharing of tips and best practices yeah. to cope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there are... There are visionaries among us and doers among us and connectors among us. And I'm sure that you're seeing different leadership styles come through in unexpected places. Are there any stories of things that have, uh, that you've seen people do during this time that are inspiring to you?
1: Oh, there's so many inspiring, um, you know, moments that, uh, you know, you you called out some of our uh, employees um, both those laid off and not their posts on LinkedIn, the care for the team, the care for each other. Um, and it, it is very genuine and very heartfelt and seeing that outpouring, um, uh, our team volunteered to take, um, a compensation reduction, um, mm. to, to help reduce the number of people, um, that were laid off. And that's a very tough thing. You know, it's, it, 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 everyone was in this a little bit together. Everyone was impacted. Um, and it was, it was amazing. A few weeks ago, uh, a young, young gentleman walked up to me and said, I know you're going to, you know, about to put a, uh, you know, the annual um, contribution to the 401k in, you can keep mine. Uh, you know, the company needs it right now to, to save jobs. And I was wow. just like, what? You know, I mean, I know how much this person makes and it was a meaningful number. Yeah. Um, now, obviously we didn't take take him up on it, but it's just such a people digging deep to help, um, you know, other people is, uh, you know, maybe we've gotten lucky, but we've been able to create that sense of community. Um, yeah. And I think the world is lacking you know, good old fashioned community where you look out for those around you and you, if someone's house burns down, everyone does a barn raising. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we've been lucky to create aspects of that at the predictive index.
0: It sounds like it. And, and that, that sense of community can show up in, in different ways in by different people. And so the fact that you're seeing it from all corners is really impressive and inspiring. It is. It is. And it's it's
1: it it, it tickles you when you get inspired by, you know, uh a young person making a gesture that surprises you. And you're like, I don't get surprised very often and that surprised me. And um and it was it was a it was a real treat in a sad time.
0: Well, and these are the stories that will stick with us in the months and years coming from this. And so I'd love to ask you, you know, what from this time would you like to see carried forward as we get a chance to create our, a new version of our old reality?
1: Well, I, I feel very fortunate that uh, that we haven't gone to rioting. Um, yeah. You know, I, I thought there was so much anger and vitriol um, just in the press about, our team, your team, whatever team, um, that, uh, I, I thought we were angry and I think if you have an angry population and the going gets tough, it could turn really, people could turn against each other. Um, and it, it, I'm just so thankful that it hasn't happened that that for the most part, people are, are doing what's right. We're not having the tragedy of the commons and, Mm. and, and, and people are, um, you know, supporting each other and those who can are, 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 are trying to make meaningful donations and gestures to help the cause. Um, we hope that's still the case. And and maybe this creates a a breakdown of the us, them. Um, we could, we'll see, you know, we've got an election coming up and we'll, we'll see how angry and mean we get to each other, but um, yeah. I, I hope I hope that carries over.
0: I think so. Yeah, and I, there's definitely some solidarity in this shared experience because uh, it <laughs> there's nobody that that is immune to this virus. Uh, uh, to say it in in plain language, so so with the spirit of coming back stronger, you know, for me the the ability for us to do that, to have a story where we look back and say, you know, we are better off having gone through this. I feel like people need to do things right now and that that just won't happen. So are there any actions that you would recommend people take now to, to take this experience and, and take from it what some good?
1: Well, you know, interestingly, a lot of entrepreneurial people say that the best time to create something new is is at the bottom you know it's mm. it's during a recession it's you know there are a lot of people who are at home with with nothing to do in terms of work um right. and you know they could choose to work on their home uh they could ch- choose to in- invent a new business you know if they're a coder write some code that could be used in the future for something um work on a business plan um, come up with a, an idea to help uh, the community um, you know, really focus on your work. If, if that's one of the things that we're trying to do is to keep people busy by getting focused on a narrower set of things. Let's all get together on not the 10 things we were doing, but on these three most important things. And if we all do this in this next 90 days, when we might not be marketing stuff or selling stuff, um, maybe we do some real foundation work that we can be proud of and says, wow, we, we really, in those dark days, we really built something, uh, and mm. built something meaningful. Um, and the, it doesn't have to be just business. It can be personal. Um, I, you know, with, with, I have a 12 year old and a 14 year old and, uh, we're rebuilding this, you know, beaten down boat in the garage and I'm trying to get them to put an hour or two a day in, um, you know, to, 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 make something in this time, not just play on video games, which would be pretty easy to do, mm-hmm. but actually, you know, physically improve something while you're stuck at home. And it's funny, some days they'll put like four or five hours in because they get really motivated and they're like, yeah, this thing's looking good, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, you know, maybe not everyone's in a position to do that because they don't have a garage, but it, it, it could be something. It could be something smaller, um, yeah. but I think the, I think those that there's an old axiom about idle minds. Um, you got to fight fight that a little bit.
0: Well, and as humans, I do think we, we like forward moving progress. And so we just have to redefine what forward moving looks like during this phase. So I like what you're saying, like get back to the core, prioritize on a few things and go deep with those and get creative. It, it is this remarkably unique time that yes, it's not exactly how we would want to craft, uh, you know, being able to spend more time with family, but it is, it is a chance to get back to what is really at the heart of what's important to me, to my family, to my, career, to my work, uh, and then using that as a foundation to build from when we are able to come back stronger.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I can't, I look forward to seeing in 10 years that the awesome startups that have completely changed the game that were founded during, you know, uh, on zoom meetings during this, you know, hundred day period or, or such. And, uh, there'll be some great stories coming out of that.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to sort of wrap us up with that idea of when we look back on this time, we are going to be able to tell some incredible stories. And and I do believe yours is one of them. You know, you've navigated some really difficult economic impacts of the pandemic and you have kept people in the center and led with integrity and in a high set of values. So I'm impressed and I'm grateful for your time and for telling your story.
1: Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. I want to just leave the audience with the, a, the Winston Churchill quote that, um, is probably been used more during this time than it has in many years. But in the in the deep dark days of World War II, he said, "If you find yourself walking through hell, keep moving." And uh, you know, it's a time that if if things are dark for those around us during this period, like just just keep soldiering on because we'll eventually come out of it.
0: We will. We will. And that we, we do know we will get through this. And I believe that thanks to, to the human efforts that are coming out of this, we will be stronger than we were before.
1: Well, thank you so much. I am, I am, I am just tickled that I got an opportunity to be on Humans Optimized.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Mike. It's been such a pleasure and, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode I'd love to share your stories to help all of us come back stronger than we were before. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.